Let's get it. Wednesday, May 15th, 2019. Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. Hope everyone else had a great week outside of podcast land. I just got back from a trip out west to Hump Tulips, Washington. I uh, unfortunately had to go and attend a family funeral. Uh, Seems like every time you're in the military or if you work away from your hometown, the only time you're able to visit your hometown and your family and friends are funerals and weddings, uh, which sucks. Sucks a lot. The last two have been funerals. The next one will be a wedding, and I am going to be excited for that. So shout out to my family out there. A couple of reviews have come in since I've been gone. Uh, first one is from Good Humor Fan. Good stuff. A good podcast for up-to-date information. The guests are interesting, and the host is relatable. Well, thank you for the review, Good Humor Fan, and I'm happy to be able to, and I'm happy you're able to relate to me. Absolutely. Next one is from Sunars, Army Vet. I'm an Army Vet of four tours in Afghanistan. Love the show and the information about the VA. Sunars, I'm glad that you were able to pull something from this podcast. Uh, if there's anything that I can do to help you, please email me at podcast at va.gov. And the last one was from our blog from last week. It is from Robert Ryback. Thank you for all you do. For veterans, it's great everyone supports veterans today. As a veteran of the Vietnam War, as I returned from the States, I was not supported, mostly made fun of, harassed at work, and finally quit my job. I still suffer from that. Robert, I can't explain the amount of regret that you Vietnam vets uh, had to endure when you first came back. And if there's any consolation... I think the pendulum was turned for the post 9-11 vets because of what you and others endured. If there's anything that I can do to help you, uh, please email me at podcast at va.gov. And I hope to point you in the right direction. With that being said, we are at 68% to our bonus. Good morning, Vietnam. Mel Brooks episode of More in the Battle. I've been, of course, promoing this every week that Adrian Cronauer of Good Morning Vietnam fame interviewed the legendary producer, director, and actor Mel Brooks. And it was originally to be used for another product. It, that product fell by the wayside. This interview was still happened. It was dropped in my lap. And I hope to bring it to you very, very soon. Once we get to 100 combined ratings and reviews on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcast app of choice that you have, I look forward to bringing that to you as a bonus episode here on Born the Battle. And I will do that as soon as we reach 100 reviews and ratings. No news releases of note this week. However, it is still Mental Health Awareness Month. And in observance of Mental Health Awareness Month, VA is launching a new campaign called The Moment When in recognition of the resilience of those who have served our country to honor their sacrifices and to learn and be inspired by their amazing stories. Mental Health Month is also an opportunity to build awareness of mental health challenges and treatment options and to let people know that recovery is possible. This campaign is part of our Make the Connection program where nearly 500 veterans have shared their stories of strength and recovery. 
Make the Connection also features a resource locator where veterans, their family, and their friends can find local support. To learn more, visit www.maketheconnection.net forward slash MHM. This is also the last week of Carry the Load's partnership with the National Cemetery Administration. Carry the Load is a nonprofit dedicated to providing active, meaningful ways to honor and celebrate the sacrifices made by our nation's heroes, the military veterans, first responders, and their families. This week is the last leg of the three national relays as their American flags make their way to Dallas, Texas for the Carry the Load Dallas Memorial March. Carry the Load's Midwest Relay will visit the Dayton National Cemetery in Dayton, Ohio, May 15th, today at 10 a.m. They will visit the Cave Hill National Cemetery in Louisville, Kentucky on May 16th, tomorrow at 1 p.m. Those last two times will be in Eastern Standard Time. From there, the Midwest route will cross into the Central Standard Time, starting with Jefferson Barracks National Cemetery in St. Louis on May 18th at 7.30 a.m. They will then visit the Jefferson City National Cemetery in Jefferson City, Missouri on May 19th at 8 a.m. Their last national cemetery along the Midwest route will be at the Omaha National Cemetery on May 22nd at noon. Those last three are Central Standard Time. Along the East Coast route, they will be at Marietta National Cemetery in Marietta, Georgia today, May 15th at 8 a.m. They will then be at the Chattanooga National Cemetery in Chattanooga, Tennessee tomorrow, May 16th at 3 p.m. Those last two times are Eastern Standard Time. Following Chattanooga, the Carry the Load East Coast route will visit the Memphis National Cemetery in Memphis, Tennessee, May 20th at 12.30 p.m. The last national cemetery along the East Coast route will be at Little Rock National Cemetery in Little Rock, Arkansas on Tuesday, May 21st at 4 p.m. Again, those last two times are Central Standard Time. And finally, the last national cemetery along the West Coast route is today in El Paso, Texas at Fort Bliss National Cemetery at 12.30 p.m. That is Pacific Standard Time. For more information on Carry the Load, either A, go to the show notes and click on the link to the blog, or B, go to carrytheload.org. If you listen in the archives back when Tim Lawson interviewed myself, I explained that professional wrestling got me into podcast listening. Not that I still watch wrestling, but as a fan of the Monday Night War and the Attitude Era, I would listen to podcasts that talked about the behind the scenes of that era. And through that, I still am up to date on uh, quote unquote, the business. So for the first time in a long time, independent wrestling is going through a sort of a, a renaissance. Um, and with the newly formed AEW's first pay-per-view coming up this month, it seemed like the right time for this interview. This army combat veteran is a independent professional wrestler. He's also a documentary film producer. His documentary Valhalla Club is currently on Amazon Prime, and it details the experience of a veteran wrestling stable, how they rely on each other, and how they fight PTSD through wrestling. The stable and the wrestlers have been featured in numerous articles, Rolling Stone, Vice, and they were on the very first episode of Comedy Central's new show, Klepper. Our interviewee is also a VA employee. 
who takes what he knows and gives back to the military community. So without further ado, I bring to you Army veteran Jan Ostrom. Hope you enjoy. Man, this is great because my very first uh, podcast that I really listened to a lot was something to wrestle with with uh, Bruce Pritchard and uh, Talk is Jericho, which are two wrestling podcasts. Yeah, they're good ones. I've actually reached out to both uh, about the Bahala Club documentary and neither have gotten back to me yet. I hope they do. Uh, sure. I think it'd be cool to talk to them about that. I've never met Jericho, but I have met um, the Pritchards when I was uh, doing my WWE tryouts. And they're, I mean, they're... They're fine. They're professional, but you know, to be on that level with them would be pretty cool. Absolutely. So I'm happy to have wrestlers on the podcast. You know, I'm, I'm happy to find a uh, a veteran wrestler. Now you started wrestling before you served, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it's it's been my uh, life dream since I was four to uh, be with WWE, with then WWF, and I started uh, training. I used to live in outside Chicago and. My dad relocated when I was a teenager to California, and I found a wrestling school about 20 miles from where we were living, and I started training uh, shortly after I got my driver's license when I was 16. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, about what year was that? That was in 97. And uh, to put it in perspective, like at that time when I started training, who was there? Uh, Chris Daniels had just left. Uh, Frankie Kazarian was there, Ricky Reyes, Rocky Romero. I don't know if you're familiar with these names. Absolutely. Uh, um, the angel, fallen angel, Crystal Daniel, Daniels. Absolutely. Yeah. He's all been all, the, he's, he's all over the place. He is. He is. All these people came from uh, school of hard knocks in San Bernardino, California, uh, EWF shortly after I came through a little guy by the name of Joey Ryan showed up Scorpion Sky Andrews um, and all these people that, uh, got, you know, we did the SoCal thing together and now they're all doing great, great things in the wrestling industry. Well, that's great to, that's great to have that, that, those training, uh, partners, you know, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure you learned a lot from them and you, that you, they learned a lot from you and it, was, it must've been great. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was crazy. It's just one of those things that you look back, you know, like, Oh my God, like all these people beginning and the practices were so intense and so fun. But, you know, and I look now and I see how some people train. I'm like, they wouldn't have lasted two days with, you know, trying to keep up with Kazarian in the ring. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have gone well. <laughs> Absolutely. Who, um, who was your trainer? Uh, legendary Jesse Hernandez. He, okay. uh, he has ran the school of hard knocks, uh, since it started in 95, I think. And he's still running it to this day that, and hit the league with it, the empire wrestling federation, uh, yeah. he still runs it and guys are still coming through, uh, and all of that. So, and that's, that's down in San Bernardino in California, yep, San Bernardino, California. Gotcha. So, so you started wrestling when you were 16 and 97 and that's, that was right in the middle of the attitude era, man. I remember those days as very well. Um, what prompted you to stop and join the military? Uh, nine 11. Okay. 9 11. Yeah. I was a, uh, I was a college student. Uh, going to art school and because I was going to design video games as a uh, as a backup to uh, if pro wrestling didn't work out and uh, solid career choice solid career choice right <laughs> and <laughs> uh, yeah 9-11 happened and I have a I come from a strong lineage of uh, military 
you know, I, I couldn't shake it after a couple months. I was just like, no, I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta do this. And, uh, so you joined right after nine 11, uh, a couple months after nine 11. Yeah. And I wow. shipped off, uh, I shipped off to basic training in June of Oh two. So, yeah. So I, I went June of Oh two to June of Oh six. Wow. So that was your full service, 02 to 06. But you did have a couple of hard deployments, uh, correct? Uh, yeah. Oh, just a one long deployment. It was 13 months in Iraq as a 50 cal gunner. Yeah. While you were in, who was your either your best friend or your greatest mentor? My uh, my best friend, my greatest mentor while I was in service uh, is my buddy. Still one of my best friends to this day. My buddy Mike's all of mine. Uh, because when I, I came in as an E3, he was an E4. And he was very much, uh, he was very, very hard and, and, um, like constantly like on my case to do my job better and to, and, but that was because he expected a lot of me because I expected a lot of myself. So he pushed me and wouldn't accept me not giving my best. And, um, you know, I, I ended up passing him in rank. I became an E5 before he did. And he was, uh, very, I, I couldn't have got to that point without his discipline, without his knowledge, without his mentorship, without him constantly, constantly pushing me to, to better myself and not accept, wow. not accept laziness and not accept mediocrity from myself. And those are lessons I still take to this day. And if it wasn't for him, uh, you know, I, I couldn't tell you how my military career, uh, would have, well, not military career, but those four years of, of service would have went for me. That's a, that's high praise, uh, saying, uh, you know, an E4 got you to E5. That's pretty, that's pretty high praise. And, uh, why, what was the, why did you decide to exit the military? Uh, the, so when I went in the military, I, 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 although I agreed to keep an open mind to it, I was really always kind of looking at it. Like, I'm just going to do my time and move on to the next phase of my life. Unless there was something that I just couldn't pass up. And when I was in, um, when I was in Iraq in 04, WWE came through and they did the tribute to the troops. Oh yeah. And they came to my base and I, uh, which base was that? Uh, I was on, I was on FOB Summerall, which was in uh, Beji, Iraq. It was about a half hour North of Tikrit. Uh, wow. and that's, that's uh, out there. Yeah, it was, was out there. It really yeah. was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so long story short, I, uh, when the guys came through, I don't remember all the wrestlers that were there, but I remember it was Mick Foley. I remember Charlie Haas. And, uh, I remember it was one of my all time favorite wrestlers. Eddie Guerrero was there. It was actually oh, the man. last one. Cause he had died the next year before the next one came through. So this was his last yeah. tribute to the troops. And, yeah, wow. uh, and I was talking to him cause he knew my mentor and, uh, Eddie was, uh, he passed away when I was out there in Iraq. And so it's funny that you mentioned Eddie Guerrero and Eddie was one of my favorite wrestlers. He was, he was a legit, like good dude. And he was so entertaining in the ring. I, uh, I have a tribute to a troop shirt that he autographed for me. I've never worn it at all. I'll, I just keep it as a memento. Uh, and it was, um, you know, he was one of those dudes, man, that he, he just loved being around people. And he was one of the first people when he came to true. A lot of people don't know this tribute to the troops. It's a volunteer thing. You got to volunteer to go cause it's in a war zone. And he was one of the first wow. people that wanted to go do that. Um, because he just, he wanted to go see the troops. He wanted to go out there and support. And, uh, 
people don't. I think a lot of people overlook that. That when WWE goes out there, it's not they're not required to. It's they have to volunteer and sign off on a bunch of stuff because of where they're going. And the people who go out sure. there want to do it because they they want to do it. And him being one of the first ones always meant a lot to me. And they weren't even uh, like you know they weren't at like your normal USO stops. I mean, it sounds like they went way out there to where you guys were. It's pretty yeah, amazing. Yeah, they do. Uh, Vince McMahon uh, is an insane diehard military supporter, and he made it clear from the from people I know in the in the loop that that he wanted to go see as many people as possible, and he didn't care. Like it wasn't up to. He didn't mind if he had to go to like some rural outpost two hundred miles of nowhere. Like if we could do it, he wanted to do it. So Vince was there with him. Yeah, Vince. Oh yeah, Vince. He, was he there, came yeah. out. He came out to that post. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing. I had brought up. I said, you know, this is my dream. I want to do this. Like, what uh, you know, what do you recommend I get noticed by WWE? And Eddie uh, had me talk to this other guy who was just standing there, just a normal dude. And I, I pitched the story. I pitched myself, and he told me to go talk to this other guy. So he brings over another guy. Well, long story short, that guy was John Laurinaitis, who was at that time the Johnny guy, Ace. Johnny Ace, yeah. He was the guy under yeah. Vince. And um so Johnny Ace said, when you get out, I will give you a tryout. Uh, you know, and he gave me his personal cell, he gave me his email. He said, you just gotta call me when you get out. And so now there was no reason wow. for me to stay because I had a guaranteed tryout for my dream leaving. Sure. Sure. And uh and he held true to his word, man. He held true to his word. I, I called him when I got out and he gave me his tryout, uh my tryout and they put me on uh Monday Night Raw and then ECW and uh you know Oh you had a you had a you had a couple of uh a couple couple of uh matches yes. in in the WWE? Yes I did. Yes I gotcha. did. Were they were they were they dark matches or were they were they No, they were squash. Uh they were squash matches on TV. Um and uh unfortunately so I did mine July of 07 and what happened July of 07 or I think it was early July or maybe late June, but that was uh, when Chris Benoit, that whole thing went down and um, it was crazy to Got have you. this tryout. You think you do really well and then be told that yeah, because of uh, this incident, we're kind of not bringing anybody on right now. So sure. you had to go back to the drawing board and, Exiting, exiting uh, the military, it got you back into wrestling. I mean, Johnny Ace helped you get back, even though you had a couple squash matches and it may not have worked out. It got you back into wrestling, right? Yeah, that's correct. And it was a good thing it did because I was I was struggling uh, readjusting. Um, I didn't. I, I thought uh, mentally everything was fine, and really, I mean, looking back at that time in my life, I was not I was not adjusting well. I really wasn't. I was having a difficult time. Uh, with, you know, work-life balance, trying to chase his dream, family life, uh, just processing what I had been through uh, in combat. Uh, it doesn't help that I had lost uh, a couple friends, not only in service, but after I got out, some friends that stayed end up uh, oh, wow. uh, being killed over there. And, you know, it just, all of it just, just adds up and I wasn't processing it the right way. I, uh, um, and wrestling helped you. Wrestling helped you through that. It did. It really did, man. When we did uh, the Hall Club, the documentary, uh, we had we promised each other that we had to, uh, you know, be forthright and candid about our struggles because the whole the whole uh, underlying uh, reason we did the Hall Club is we want to reach out and help uh, men and women who are struggling because we were we were getting just too upset with the amount of veterans that were taking their own lives every day and. 
Sure. Um, sure. We wanted to reach out and just expose our weaknesses, our our struggles, our demons, uh, so that people knew that they weren't alone. And for me, you know, I, I dealt a lot of it, uh, by drinking and, and, uh, mm. you know, it's one of those things where it just, I, I didn't use it right. I, I, I didn't have the right outlet and it was killing me inside because I was just sure. miserable. Um, and then when I, when I got, so was there, was there, was there a time between your, your tryout and like this dark time, was it after your tryout before you started independent wrestling or was like, was there a time that you didn't wrestle? Uh, there was no, there wasn't a time I didn't wrestle. I was wrestling, uh, I was wrestling pretty frequently, uh, around. I was just, I was just drinking way too much while I was doing it. And, um, I did take time off of wrestling in 2009 because I got into a, uh, an auto accident and that just made, you know, matters worse because I couldn't do anything. Uh, but it was wrestling that really, really saved me because the more I focus on wrestling, like mentally, I had that outlet to process stuff, not only creatively, but uh, also also physically, you know, you had to mentally commit to this workout schedule, to eating right and and uh, using weights and MMA to be a physical outlet. And then artistically uh, looking at how you want to create this character, how you want to design, how if there would be a face, if there sure. would be a heel. Uh, and then for me, another thing was, you know, I, I do struggle with uh, being around crowds uh, like many men and women. And, you know, when you're a pro wrestler out there, you don't know. It could be six people. It could be 600 uh, on a yeah. crowd. And, and you got to go out there and entertain. And it really it really makes you face these struggles uh, and, and go out there and, and still kind of a safe environment, um, a good environment to to uh, gotcha. build on yourself. You mentioned uh, Valhalla Club uh, you, that's your wrestling stable, correct? That's is, it's a wrestling stable of veterans. Yes, I watched the documentary you and your your stable produce. It's about forty minutes long. It's on Amazon Prime. What was behind making it? Like, who decided that we should make it? Who? Uh, how did? How was it being produced? How did it go down? Okay. Uh, so, this the Valhalla Club like story was something that was in my head for a couple years because as I was wrestling all around, like more people were coming up to me. Uh, after shows and saying, you know, stuff like, I appreciate what you're doing. My uncle's over there. My brother's over there. My nephew, whatever. And it was cool to interact with more people. And I just felt there was a, there was something there. And, but when, when I came out in 06, uh, I was the only one in like SoCal and Arizona that was like a current combat veteran. And so I didn't want uh, the story would be just about me because I don't feel the story is about me. I think it's about all men and women in the services who were, uh, had been through combat and what they, and what their readjusting struggles are. Um, and so it just, it, it was one of those that just was always on the back burner. And then I started working more and more in Texas, uh, as the years went on. And, um, I've just met more people who had been over there and had, uh, just talking and, you know, networking with them stuff started coming out about their struggles until I was shooting the, the breeze with Bryson and, and Eddie. And I was like, man, I got this idea, you know, call me an idiot if you want. And, but here's what I'm thinking. And right away they were both like, I'm down, let's do this. And so having them already behind the project, I, th- through friends of a friends, I had gotten in touch with an independent filmmaker and, uh, his name is Brad Morris and he was in the middle of just 
editing his first feature uh, indie film and I had taken him out to lunch and I had pitched this idea uh, of what I wanted to do. Yeah. And, and he, uh, fortunately as it worked out for me, his father was a Vietnam vet who had really bad PTSD after Vietnam. And uh, so this was an issue that was real special to him. And he totally, it hit, it hit home very much him. so. Yeah, very, very much so. And he signed off and he was like, yeah, I'll do it. And, you know, we can, and we sat together and we kind of figured out how to, how to produce this thing. Uh, I say Kevin Smith style only in the sense of, you know, Kevin Smith made his big movie clerks off a shoestring budget. And that's what we yeah. were, we were had to do too. <laughs> uh, and, and we went yeah. out and we, we did, we spent a lot of hours and uh, minimal money to, to put this thing together. And, and, uh, it was a, and now, and now it's, it's on, on Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. Now it's on Amazon. And I, believe I, I think i can say this now where we've in talks to uh, have it shifted over to netflix uh we oh, i can say cool. i can say we're in the talks to do that so it's you know it's crazy and now and also you know this thing has went from this idea to um in the past two years we've been it's crazy you know that like wwe is very much aware of this project uh We've been covered by Vice, Rolling Stone, Sports Illustrated, Telemundo, ABC, NBC, Solid. and now uh, we're doing a big thing with Comedy Central. Yeah, you got a lot of good press from uh, from that. I noticed. I, I doing my, when I was doing my research, I was like, "Oh my god, you guys, you guys have been featured mm. everywhere." The one thing I got about out out of that documentary is how raw you guys op- you guys opened up. You guys talked about everything that you guys experienced. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate your words on that. Uh, yeah, we were we wanted to go raw, and it was it was very emotional making it. Uh, there was stuff in there that you know uh, my kids and my friends didn't even know about. Uh, actually, I think about none of my mom didn't even know about a bunch of this stuff as well until she had wow. uh, went through it. Uh, or uh, sorry, saw the documentary. Uh, we you know for me personally, I had to open up about you know the multiple times I almost almost died out there and. Um, you know, and then I think about like my friends who didn't come back and it's just, it all kind of, it all kind of like takes yeah. a toll on you. Um, additionally, you know, we have, we live in an age where there's photo documentation of so much and it was able, on one hand, it was able to cool to like show photos of like what I went through, like these, the aftermath of these IED explosions and the, the car bomb running the gate at FUP Summerall, uh, on June 1st, 04. Uh, but at the same time, like, I can't look at those pictures and not go back to that day. You know what I mean? Not go back to those times. And absolutely. And it was a, uh, it was a very deep personal challenge that, uh, that all of us went through. I know, uh, Eddie, had talks about one time that he was in firefights longer than, uh, the entire, I think it was like the entire hundred hour war. Uh, this is Eddie in the documentary. documentary yeah. 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 You know, he yeah, was a, absolutely. he was a medic and he saw some, uh, absolute craziness out here. And, you know, he, uh, also, to open up about his struggles and his demons on that too. In the documentary, uh, I, th- I think Eddie is the clown, correct? He's a clown. Yeah, yeah, that's one of his characters. About yeah. And and uh, you have Mister Stud Tacky. Bryson, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what are those guys like to work with, to be around? Uh, you know, what do you? How do you guys feed off each other? Well, the it's you know it's a blessing and a curse because like the good, the in a positive way, Bryson, Eddie, and I and myself don't accept anything less than the best the other can give so they bryson and eddie bring out a lot of goodness in me they we've uh, on, a, on a brotherhood note like we check on each other quite a bit we're always positively uh, supporting each other um you know but the, but 
you know, we're also, we're also vets and, you know, vets in the military, you, you, when you feed off each other, stuff can get kind of wild and out of control. And, uh, you know, we like to do that in the ring and backstage, just having fun, joking around, being silly and stuff like that. Um, but Bryson and Eddie are insanely loyal, great human beings. And, uh, they gave me a lot of support through this project and, and they, uh, I know they've expressed me multiple times. I would help them. And, uh, it's really cool. It's been a really interesting, uh, brotherhood, uh, forming with them and going through all this stuff together. So in, in the documentary, you had some footage of mm-hmm. Matt Hardy during his bro during when he was doing his broken gimmick uh, a couple years ago. Talk to me about that. How, what was that about? What was it? What, what was, what was that footage? Where'd you, what was you, what were you doing with Matt? Uh, Matt, Hardy? Matt Hardy was in Dallas doing a seminar and Bryson was up there, uh, learning from him and uh, Matt Hardy uh, is also a very big military and veteran supporter. Uh, and so when he was coming up here to Dallas, we were just we just went out there and we shot the breeze with him. We told him, "Hey, you know, we're filming this. Are you is it cool if we you know we film you for a little bit and you can talk to us?" And he was a hundred percent down, like no questions asked. He was more than happy to be a part of it. And uh, He's 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 big in the digital media space, you know, with his uh, broken gimmick and and documentary and Matt Matt Hardy version one. You know, he's he when it, I think when it comes to digital media like that, he's probably he's, pretty open. He's, to it. Yeah, he is creatively he's one of the most creative people I've seen in the wrestling industry, and yeah, he he knows how to harness the power of digital media. He's really good with that. Uh, yeah, and so it was cool. It was cool to have him. It, it is it's cool for me to be a guy. You know, in the ni- mid nineties when the Hardys were like the big high-flying you know tag team oh all of a sudden be like yeah i'm you know matt hardy's here on my film like you know what i mean that's kind of surreal <laughs> <laughs> yeah those were some good days in wrestling man the the attitude early early uh aggression days um a lot of good influences there oh yeah yeah it's it's it was uh, it's time that's really hard to be repeated man everything you can think about like uh society wise and entertainment wise kind of lined up for that to explode and uh, you know, there was, uh, many, many crazy moments and memories that have transcended into just straight up pop culture that, you know, can never be removed, which yeah. is awesome. Uh, man, that was, a, it was a really good and interesting documentary for, as, from a veteran perspective, uh, listen to the stories and understand that, uh, you know, you, it was very raw and I appreciate you sending me that. So you're also a VA employee, correct? Yes. What do you do for the VA? I am a program analyst in uh, Obipi, uh, located out here in Austin, Texas. What What is that? What does that entail? What What, what you know? What is Obipi? You know, uh, Obipi is, is the uh, Office of Business and Process uh, Integration, and I do a lot of uh, project management work, working on, uh, for example, some stuff I do right now is working on projects to help. VBMS, which is the claim system that's used for veterans claims for compensation, education, pension, and trying to uh, trying to increase the abilities of that to help more veterans get benefits quicker and more efficiently. That's great. That's got to be um, a little bit rewarding to know you can you, you can maybe affect those types of processes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, true story. When I filed my claim for compensation. Uh, in 06, when I, right when I got out of service, uh, my folder got lost and it was lost for four years. And, uh, when they finally found it, we were able to move forward with a lot, but, uh, you know, I get to be on projects to make sure that doesn't happen to any other veteran. And that's very rewarding to me. 
What is one thing that you learned in service that you apply today? One thing I learned in service is that it takes five seconds of craziness that could completely change your life. And, uh, you know, a lot of people kind of tie that into, you know, combat five seconds of craziness can change the outcome of something, which is true. And five seconds of craziness can save somebody's life or whatnot, which I do feel is true. But with, with me, it was, it was just different times in the military whether it be just doing something like volunteering to go do something. For example, uh, I was bored and I asked top, I was like, I got, which is first sergeant in the army. I was like, I got nothing to do. Like, is there any details or something I can go on? And they end up sending me out by the Czech Republic for 30 days, which was fun, you know? Uh, oh my God. <laughs> I bet it was. You know, just, but you know, I, <laughs> the big one to me is always, it was, the WWE thing, you know, if I not take that five seconds and just went to Eddie Guerrero and said, Hey, this is what I want to do. Like, what is you, what do you think? I wouldn't have gotten my WWE tryout, you know, and my whole life would have been changed. And mm. it was just that, that five seconds of craziness, just going for it, just saying, you know, what, screw it. Like, I'm just going to go for this and see what happens. And you know, that is it. Five seconds of craziness mm-hmm. can change your life. Noted. So what are the, what are the future goals for dynamite? So I, uh, I'm, I'm coming off of a leg injury right now. I had, when we did the comedy central filming in December, I landed weird against the ring. Long story short, had a huge hematoma, big, 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 big bruise in my leg. And, uh, it wouldn't, Mm. it knotted up the size of my fist. It was like a baseball size and it wouldn't go away. So we had to have surgery to remove it. And, uh, so I, just now I'm about three weeks back into training. So I have only taken minimal bookings upcoming. I'm wrestling at DreamCon in Waco. There's a big thing going on right now. If any of your listeners have heard of a show called the mighty Morphin power Rangers, uh, Bryson is going to be having a wrestling match against Jason David Frank, who was the original green power. Ranger. Oh, no yeah, way. It's a big thing that's been coming on. This is really cool to, to watch. I'm so proud of Bryson uh, for this. When is that? The match is going to take place in July. So, and I can send you, I'll send you the link uh, after the show. If you'd like, you can check that out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes and we'll, we'll make it accessible to everyone. Uh, send me the links to everything. Uh, is there anybody, is there anywhere people can follow yes, you yeah. or, or Valhalla club or, or your whole stable? Or yes, what, absolutely. What On Facebook, you can find us at Valhalla club, the documentary on Instagram, the same thing. Um, Eddie can be found at the official Eddie Wittern, W-A-T-T-E-R-N. Uh, Bryson can be found as uh, Mr. Stuttacular, Bryson Scott. And you can find me, uh, you can find me, well, probably Facebook's the best way, but if you want to look at the Instagram for me, uh, you can look for me under Scars and Stripes. Scars and Stripes, what's that? It is a, uh, it is a part-time clothing brand that I do, but it's also where I put out a lot of my stuff where you can find me at for wrestling or other, other different ventures. Gotcha. Very cool. Very cool. What is one veteran or nonprofit in the veteran community that you are personally excited about what they're doing? Oh, that's a very good question. That's a very, very good question. So there's, you know, such an interesting question because you got a lot of vets that do a lot of really, really good things. Um, I've always noticed, so there is, there is a bridge with the veteran civilian divide and Rob Riggle, has crossed that, or at least built that bridge, uh, 
very, very well. And he is very positively received by, by mainstream media and the veteran community. And he uses that, um, platform to help, help veterans. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, he, he legit doesn't have to. And the fact that he does shows his passion for, for those men and women who had served. So like that, that is like one of the things that I've, you know, I've just, just stands out to me that he would probably, he would be the one right now. Um, and I'll, I hopefully I'd be honored if one day, you know, wrestling or the movie making or whatever gets me onto that level where I can be on that par with him. Is there something that I, I didn't ask that you think is important to share? <clears throat> uh, the yeah, only I thing I just asked that I always shared when, when I discuss uh, Valhalla club and like my own experience is, uh, you know, it, a lot of men and women are, are struggling uh, these days. And, and I hope that if any of your listeners uh, yourself is, is struggling that you please reach out and not only get the help, the VA has a tremendous amount of resources. They, they did play an instrumental role in helping me uh, quit the drinking uh, largely because of their, their programs. And it, it was a positive thing and they, they're out there for veterans to help get their, uh, their life, um, you know, situated. And if it's not through the VA, I hope, you know, whatever it is that they reach out and find it. Pro wrestling was an amazing outlet for me. And I, I hope, you know, although pro wrestling is very unique, I hope that if whatever it is, guitar playing, drawing, making music, you know, video gaming, I don't, I don't care if, as long as it's something that you can use as your outlet, I please hope that you take full advantage of it. Cause there's way too many of us, uh, that are, we're losing every day. out of the military i was missing this camaraderie it's frustrating when you try and talk to people that don't understand i would be talking but i wasn't there with them you just feel so alone i still had the anger i still had the addictions but we didn't talk about that came to a point where it's like okay i really need to talk to somebody about this family more or less encouraged me you know go to the va you're a veteran see what they can do to help you when you have family, friends, when you have the facilities like the VA and the vet center, it gives me, it gives others encouragement to keep moving forward. It's okay to go get help. It's okay to talk to people because it takes true strength to ask for help. Talking with, with other veterans was the best method for learning the roadmap to success. Hear veterans' real stories of strength and recovery at maketheconnection.net. want to thank Jan for coming on the show. It was a really great conversation. This week's Born the Battle Veteran of the Week was submitted by newly minted veteran Kenneth Trotter. Kenneth has currently been accepted to attend the University of Missouri and was just selected for the Chancellor's Leadership course. Kenneth is also going to be using the GI Bill to attend the university. Kenneth, congratulations on your acceptance, and getting that DD-214. His submission is Marine veteran Edgar Huff, a native of Gadsden, Alabama. Edgar enlisted on September 24, 1942, and was one of the first African Americans to do so. He received his training at the segregated Montford Point, North Carolina. In 1943, just one year later, he became a drill instructor at Montford Point. 
1944, Huff was the field sergeant major of all recruit training on the camp. By late 1944, Huff was a first sergeant serving in Saipan, Okinawa, and in North China. Following World War II, Huff served as the non-commissioned officer in charge back at Montford Point. Edgar also saw combat in Korea and in Vietnam. On December 31st, 1955, Edgar Huff became the first African-American sergeant major in the Marine Corps. He retired on September 30th, 1972, having served more than half of his career as a sergeant major. Sadly, Sergeant Major Huff died May 2nd, 1994, at the age of 72. We honor his service. If you yourself would also like to nominate a Born the Battle Veteran of the Week, you can at podcast.va.gov. You can also follow the Department of Veterans Affairs on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs, DEPT Vet Affairs. You can always find us with that blue check mark. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.